Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. We're going to talk to Chris Mannix. In fact, let's, Gordon, let's uh, jump right in. Let's get right to it. Hit it, Alex. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist, featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix, on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Daily Assist brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Lee's Heating and Air is offering their furnace checkup for only 59 bucks. Call Lee's Heating and Air today, 801-747-LEE's or online at leesheatac.com. Out to the T-Mobile special guest line we go. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. From Sports Illustrated, he's our friend Chris Mannix. Hey, Chris, how are you? What's going on, guys? Hey, uh, excited. Perfect day to talk to you, uh, of course, Chris. Not only did we hear you uh, asking Mike Conley a question earlier today in media availability, but also some very strong reporting from you involving the Utah Jazz over the weekend. Take us through kind of the, the process and what you reported. Well, I mean, the we're talking specifically which part of it. Uh, I was more thinking uh, the conversation that Jazz had with uh, uh, politicians, Donovan Mitchell, uh, Mayor Mendenhall, uh, Lieutenant Governor Cox, and having the ability to uh, make an impact in our community. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. No, that was you know right before the practice, I want to say it was on Saturday. I mean, these days are all blending together at this point. But I, I think it was Saturday. Uh, the entire Jazz team – gathered in a room in their hotel and spoke with the you know three politicians that I named, the lieutenant governor, the mayor of Salt Lake City, and a member of the, I believe it was the, the, some member of the task force there. And, you know, they, they had some questions from what I was told about, you know, what was being done to, to really help better some of these inner city communities. They had some ideas. I know Donovan Mitchell told me that they're talking about after-school programs, and uh, just a number of different things to to help the uh, that, that those inner city communities there. So this is this is something that you know when people ask about the tangible benefits of the work stoppage of last week, this is one of them. Not to say that the Jazz couldn't get an audience with the Lieutenant Governor, who and you guys know better than me, but it's my understanding he's likely to be governor, you know, down the line. Yeah. Uh, the mayor. I mean, maybe they could get these kind of type of audiences anyway, but. You know, whether it's the Jazz or any other team, there's been a number of these types of meetings virtually done um, that have yielded positive results. So, you know, there's always going to be people that say, well, they did this is just symbolic. They did nothing. Nothing was accomplished. But I mean, that really couldn't be further from the truth. Not only did they, they accomplish or get accomplished, you know, what uh, was written out in the league statement, but, you know, things like this meeting that we heard, that I heard about this weekend, um, it was uh, it, it certainly is, is significant. So, Chris, I hate to go from such important topics to just uh, talking some basketball, but curious to know what you think 
of what's going on between the Nuggets and the Jazz right now. The Jazz win those three games in a row, two of those games convincingly, another one a tight one, but they win those three, and now they're on the verge of perhaps losing three in a row. What's going on, and how do you think this is going to turn out? Yeah, I mean, you could certainly make an argument that you know, if Mike Conley was present for game one, that this series would have been a sweep. I mean, it's that's how well they were playing at the very beginning. But the tables have obviously turned. Some of that is that it is really difficult to win in el- elimination games. I mean, that's probably one of the harder things to do in sports, to put away a desperate team. And part of that is, you know, that Jamal Murray guy is really good, and he's doing some otherworldly things that the Jazz can't seem to – to get a grasp on this, this Murray versus uh, Mitchell matchup is one of the best we've seen in recent years in terms of, you know, kind of one-on-one stuff in a series. And I mean, look, you can peel back the layers on, you know, several parts of this going down to several different players, but it really boils down to a lot of that for the jazz. You've got to stop Jamal Murray, not just from scoring this many points, but doing it as efficiently as he has. I mean, his efficiency numbers have been largely excellent. His turnover numbers have been, almost non-existent. I forget what the number was recently or the last game, but before that he had one turnover in three games. I mean, this guy's playing virtually flawless basketball. So you've got to do some stuff to mix up coverages, throw different bodies at him, do something to take him out of his rhythm because uh, there are some big-time problems going on there. Gordon and I were just talking about the uniqueness of this series, Chris, from obviously two different players having two 50-point games apiece. I mean, we've we've never seen it before, and we've talked about making shots in the bubble. Is 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 the bubble effect, is that a real one? I mean, how real, I guess, is what we're looking at from these two players? Uh, I mean, it's it's real, you know, with, with with what they're doing. I don't know if, a, yeah, I don't know if the bubble has any kind of positive effect on anything. I mean, it's, it's all basically negative from top to bottom, whether it's trying to succeed without, you know, being reinforced by 20,000 fans in the stands to the day-to-day monotony of, you know, uh, you know, getting through, uh, getting through it just a day, you know, and, and trying to figure out what to do with your time when you, you don't want to be there. And this is kind of the question I posed to, to Mike Conley today. I said, you know, Mike said, you know, he was talking about guys being locked in. I said, Mike, are they locked in? You know, every time I, I see a video of players that leave the bubble, whether it's Damian Lillard, picture on a plane with his son, big smile on his face, Terrence Ross, you know, ecstatic, he's tweeting about it. You know, guys want to leave. Like, they want to get out. And if you're the Jazz, I mean, is there any – I was wondering if there's any part of that that was present. But Conley had a good answer. I mean, he, he pointed out that, you know, guys were in that practice early. Uh, he said there was a lot of energy there. I can tell you from sitting outside that practice sort of like – the last hour of it, there was a lot of energy in that practice, a lot of it, a lot of raised voices, you know, and, and you can tell, you know, as I go to a lot of practices, you can tell when there's energy in one, they had a ton of energy in that jazz practice. So I believe that they're locked in, but you do have to wonder in these circumstances, you know, if, if a team's, you know, getting beat up on or, you know, if, if they come up to an elimination game, do they really want to win it? You know, especially if you're a team like Utah or even Denver that, you know, you, you look at them as a contender, but you don't look at them as the, the top tier contender right now, but uh, it seems like the Jazz are, are pretty focused. It seems like they've got some things they want to tweak, and uh, and we go from there. I hear everything you're saying, Chris. I mean, I do wonder, you know. And I heard your your question, and I heard what Mike answered, and I thought he was very calm and uh, convincing. But it does make you wonder, especially with the Clippers sitting there waiting, and you wonder mm. if that if it's going to stop there. 
And all it takes is like two seconds of any kind of indecision or two seconds of any kind of uh, uh, lack of focus, and, and, and you lose. You're going to lose a game. And so it's not like guys are going out there going, oh, man, get me out of here right now. But all it takes is just the slightest little mis- uh, you know, mis- uh, mistake on their part to, uh, or lack of focus to, to have the thing over. Yeah, and, you know, for the most part, you know, guys are going to be 95% of the way there no matter what, right? Like, it's like in boxing. You know, a referee has to stop the fight. The fighter always complains about it because he always wants to continue. You have to save a fighter from himself. Athletes at this highest of level always want to keep going. But, you know, there's a difference between the 95% and 100%. The gap there could mean the difference in a possession, in a defensive stop, in a game if you're just not – you know, completely locked in. So we'll see, you know, how the Jazz respond, you know, going into this game seven. I mean, I believe to a man, the guys in that Utah locker room believe that they they can beat the Clippers. Like, it's not like the Clippers were world beaters against, you know, Dallas. I mean, Kawhi Leonard was great. Everybody else was extremely uneven. Um, so I, I think there's there would be confidence going into that series. But, you know, when you get beat like this and you see players leaving and you've had to experience what they've had to experience, you know, kind of being in here for the better part of two months, uh, you, you do wonder if, like, if if, it's, if Denver makes a run on you, do you have the same wherewithal and the reserve to dig deep and come back? I mean, how does how does all that factor in? It'll be, you know, I'll be I'll be courtside. I almost said ringside there because it feels that way, but I'll be courtside uh, tomorrow night. Uh, you know, looking at looking for it because it's certainly the most meaningful game of this postseason. Sorry, sorry, Jake. I want to jump in here and ask you, uh, what would you do? What would you do if you were Quinn Snyder to who to get this Jamal Murray fella back to uh, planet Earth? I mean, would you throw the kitchen right. sink at him and just let somebody else beat you? Leave him wide open if you have to. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a danger to that because you you do stuff with guys like that that don't shoot threes, right? Like so. You, you, you do it to Russell Westbrook. You let him beat you. You do it to Joel Embiid with Philly. You let him beat you. I'm not so sure I'd do it with Jamal Murray because you know, he might get 50 through three quarters, and then you're talking about a 60-point game the way he's playing right now. I, I think you have to, to mix up coverages and mix up defenders. It's got to be three guys on him rotating. I think you throw some zones out there. I think you do a whole bunch of different things that are throw him off his game and make him think more. I mean, I was having this conversation with some Toronto people about the struggles of Pascal Siakam, not just in this series with Boston, but throughout this entire bubble experience. And one thing they say to me is that Siakam's overthinking, that he's he's not reacting when he's making catches. He's just thinking too much. Make Jamal Murray a thinker. You know, give him make it so it's not at one great fluid motion that that he's making to to get to the basket or elevate. I mean, the guy's still going to get his. There's no question about it. But you want him to get his on, you know. 30% shooting and not 45% shooting. You do that, you put yourself in the game. Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And, Chris, it's uh, been great talking to you through all of this with you down in the bubble because you can give us kind of a first person of, of what it's like. And I'm curious, I just saw that touching video of Fred Van Vliet seeing his kids after a couple of months. And uh, I wonder, with families now being allowed into the bubble, how will that change the uh, dynamic, do you think? Well, it's funny. It, it gets spun, and I understand why reporters ask the question, but it gets spun in a positive way. I, I'm not so sure it is. I mean, it's it's great that Fred Van Vliet gets to see his kids, and I'm sure that's you know a, a mental load off his mind. But 
there are a lot of teams that are bringing nobody in. I mean, I, I just came from Boston's practice. There's one guy, Romeo Langford, who barely plays, and he's the only one bringing somebody in. That's his girlfriend. I, I don't think Oklahoma City's bringing in anybody. I mean, there's 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 a lot of teams out there that have decided that they're not bringing anyone in. That's not against the people coming in, but there's a strong sense among players and coaches here that this has become just a duty. Like you, you just you get through this. You put your head down. You play, you practice, and there's some dread about people coming into the bubble with, like, this enthusiasm. You know, like, they're they're here. They get to see friends and family. They're going to hang by the pool. Like, players don't really want to see that right now. Like, they kind of want to be in the trenches with their teammates and, you know, not have anything else going on. Now, if this was the very beginning, I'm sure they would have welcomed having family in with them the entire time. But after two months, yeah, I, I think the majority of players would say they just want to power through and and not deal with with any kind of distractions. It's, it's not it's not a hundred percent of them, but if I had to guess, I'd say the majority of them would say, would say you know let's this is a job. I don't want somebody coming in here thinking it's like a vacation that they're going to hang and party and do whatever they want. Like you know, it, these guys just want to get through it, and 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 I wonder how that what that dynamic looks like with a bunch of people now in who are, are here more socially than anything else. I'll tell you, Chris, when I hear you talk like that, all I can think of how historically weird this playoffs will be remembered as being. I mean, yeah. it's unlike anything that I've ever seen in pro sports. Well, I mean, it's, it, yeah. I mean, the short answer is yes. The longer answer is just there's so many, you know, my, my friend Ben Golliver's writing a book on this. I, I wondered coming in if a book would be worth it because at the beginning you didn't know what was going to happen and the access was at least nominally supposed to be limited. But I, I remember thinking as I'm sitting outside that Bucks locker room for three hours waiting for them to come out and hear what the hell they were going to say about what they just did and, and why they just did it, um, it, it's remarkable from start to finish. And, look, I, I can tell you the team that wins the championship, somebody said this at the very beginning that it, it might even be more of an accomplishment. And, and I agree with that now because – the war of attrition that they have with this bubble is just another opponent and, and everybody gets to deal with it. It's a fight for everybody and it affects everybody differently. Like I'll be honest, it doesn't really affect me all that much. And we've kind of joked about this, but I, mean, I lived in New York for 15 years. I, I I'm used to small spaces. I don't have kids, so I'm not you know missing young ones. So I, I'm cool with this. I, I'm going from practice to practice thinking this is saving me from plane rides, but not most everybody else you know, things differently. They're not used to confined space. They're used to having more of a connection with the outside world. Um, you know, the, the, the team that wins the championship is going to be the most talented team out there, the team that has the best game plan. But maybe for the first time, you know, definitely for the first time, the team that is the mentally toughest of the bunch. Another team you're close to, Chris, the Boston Celtics. Are they turning heads as contenders yet? Yeah, they can win this whole thing. And I, I wouldn't have said that, you know, a month ago. But they are so locked in right now. And they play with such great chemistry, and, and their star players are starting to click at the right time. I mean, Kemba Walker was built up over the course of the seeding games to get that knee right. That knee's all the way back. Even he tweaked it last night, uh, but he said this morning that he was fine. Uh, Jason Tatum is becoming a superstar before our eyes. Jalen Brown, next level. I mean, their defensive versatility, the, the, the mismatches that their bigs create, I mean, you know, Marcus Saul and Daniel Tice, or, or Marcus Saul rather, and Serge Ibaka should be overwhelming Daniel Tice and, and Robert Williams at times, so they can't keep up with them. 
because those guys are running the floor so well, and they're so active out there. Uh, you know, they're tough. Like, the Celtics are really tough. I mean, Gordon Hayward's not going to play in this series. And from listening to Brad Stevens today, it sounds like Hayward's a way off. Ways off. He talked about his gait still being a problem. We're a couple of weeks in. So I don't expect Gordon Hayward to be back on the floor anytime soon. But even without him, I mean, they can beat Milwaukee. They can certainly beat Toronto. Toronto's – this is two games now. The Toronto Raptors have been just thumped by Boston. And once you can say it's an aberration twice, I mean, it's a pattern. So I look at the Celtics as emerging as a team that can not just win the series, but they're a team that can win the whole thing. So you talked about the Celtics players, Chris. You talked about Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell. Any other players down there really standing out to you? Oh, I mean, I mean, Luka Doncic is gone, but man, I mean, that's that that's a team that if Chris has well, two things for the, for the Mavericks, if they go back home. If Porzingis, they, they need Porzingis to be an all-star. They, they can't have these knee problems become chronic, and it's a legitimate concern because he did tear his ACL. And now he has a meniscus problem, and he's got one of those weird bodies that you wonder if this is going to be a problem every single year. But if he can stay healthy, that's a team that can contend. They also need an enforcer. Like, you've got to have somebody out there watching Luka Doncic's back. I mean, it's not hockey, but Marcus Morris walked around that whole series. And whether some of this stuff was intentional or not, but he beat the daylights out of Luka. And you need someone to walk up to Marcus Morris and maybe not punch him in the mouth, but take him down on a possession. It's just, it's just that simple. You can't. I mean, you guys remember the days of, you know, the Malone and Stockton days in the 90s. Now, teams had enforcers back then. They did. I mean, you know, the, the Bulls teams, the Knicks teams had Charles Oakley. Remember the Davis twins with Indiana watching Reggie Miller's back all those years. Like, you need to go sign somebody. It's funny. I, I made a call to a couple of executives, you know, asking the same question, who the Mavericks get, and the name that came back was Marcus Morris, who's going to be a free agent this summer. You know, you know the, go sign the guy that's beating the crap out of your guy and have him watch Luka's back. So, yeah, watching Luca was remarkable. On a sprained ankle to do what he's been doing is is wild, especially with Porzingis out of the lineup. But you give him a little bit more help, and that guy's maybe the MVP next year and a team that's deep in the playoffs. Man, you talk about Chris guys like Oak and uh, Carmelone. I I don't remember a whole lot of guys challenging those guys when they were on the floor, and it was kind no, of like no, yeah, guys were never, more likely yeah. to behave themselves. You know, you look. You need to have it. Like it's. It's the Mavericks are incredibly skilled, but I'm watching Luca get taken out with a third time in, the, in three consecutive games in that last game. And, you know, Boban, who's the nicest guy in the world, is just kind of holding Luca back. Like, who is going up to Marcus Morris and getting in his face? Like, you've got to do it. I mean, this is what we don't want to go back to the days of the 1990s when guys were throwing punches, but, you know, you need to have somebody you're getting right in Morris's face. I mean, Jay Crowder's another guy that, that kind of fits that mold if you're looking at somebody, but you need somebody that can obviously play you can't have a guy sitting on the bench as a tough guy but you got to find somebody that can play and somebody that's tough because i mean they're an incredibly skilled uh team that dallas mavericks but they're kind of short on tough guys chris we appreciate you dropping by as always thank you very much you got it guys chris mannix our friend from sports illustrated joining us from the bubble for your daily assist here on 97.5 and 1280 the zone uh See, i don't it is, it is kind of like hockey man you gotta have an enforcer on the floor just like bobby clark back in the day had dave the hammer schultz and uh he was there to protect i agree with you i think they need to go out there and fist fight before somebody gets hurt <laughs> Well, in the NBA, they don't carry big sticks around, you know, hitting people upside the head. Well, in hockey, they don't hit people with sticks either. That's called high sticking. Well, I know, but that's why that's why you got to have somebody there saying, "Hey, 
don't do that. And you're not going to do that when I'm on the ice. Well, that's called the referee. Yeah, but the referee says don't do that. that stuff. And, There's all and, kinds of slashing going on out there. Come on, Jake. So they need to, to fist fight to prevent the slashing that's already yep. going on? Well, it uh, limits it. If it weren't for that threat, who knows <laughs> really? what might be happening. <laughs> oh, you got the – are you kidding me? You got the f- officials out there. <laughs> they're skating around. They, they don't see everything. All right, buddy. Well, no, I'm I'm with you on this one. I want to see more fist fights in the bubble in Orlando. <laughs> no, I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, I thought that was interesting from Chris about families and how um, maybe not as many families are going down to this thing as we might have thought. I'm I have not seen. I don't know if you have either. What kind of jazz players? If uh, they, I know Joe Ingles said on the Joe Ingles show he was not planning on having his family down there, but. That's that's interesting. That video of Fred Van Vliet is very touching of him seeing his kids. But mm-hmm. I wonder how many players out there are like, okay, listen, I know it's months, but we got to get through this, and I'm going to stay focused. It'll be interesting. Maybe it's easier for some of the teams that, in the back of their minds, they know that they're not going that deep. What would you do, Gordon, if you thought you were going all the way and uh, you'd get your family in now? I'd have my wife there. What about the rest of your family? Oh, they're all grown adults, man. They can. No, I'm talking different. about back, not not Gordon now. I'm talking oh. about Gordon back. These guys aren't uh, aren't uh, 74 years old and happily married for uh, many years. Uh, young I, families here, Gordon. I can see both sides of that. I I can see advantages either way, but I I feel for the families that are left behind who uh, are are missing their loved ones. You know, the coaches don't have their families down there. I feel for those folks. And uh, this is just just weird because coaches and players are intense no matter what. I mean, this time of year or typically in the playoffs. And so you're not going to get a lot of attention uh, anyway, but at least you get a little bit, you know. Uh, I think as we've talked about a thousand times, these players and coaches are human beings. They're human beings. And they miss their families. It's it's tough. Some more than others. Probably so. Yeah. <laughs> so you would. You'd you'd invite Lisa. You wouldn't tell her, Oh, I've got to focus that uh you know, we've got to win ball games, you'd be a distraction. Oh, she knows when I get tunnel vision. I mean, when I get dial when I get locked in, I'm dialed in. I, I'm dialed in. But when I'm done with that, then then uh, I like me a little Lisa time. Okay. All right. <laughs> what if you tried to say you can't come because you'd be a distraction? <laughs> First of all, that's not the way I would put it. You know, distraction? Well, yeah, distraction. That's the word Maddox used. No, that's not how you say it. You say... Oh, you know, I am so, I am so uh, working so hard and my my focus is on this and I've got to find a way to, to get this taken care of. And, and I would love to spend more time with you, a lot of time with you. But? But, but right now it's just kind of <laughs> you'd be difficult. A? You know? <laughs> it's not my choice. I just. <laughs> so you'd play it out. It was, uh, the. <clears throat> Uh, it was uh, it was Lloyd's fault. Uh, it was it was Lloyd's decision. Don't blame me. Blame Lloyd. No, I that would be that bubble situation would be extremely difficult for me if I were on the bubble side of it, 
And for, uh, I like to think it would be hard for my family, but I. They wouldn't. <laughs> you think they'd just get along fine? Huh? I think they'd do just fine, yeah. No, I think the whole thing is kind of jacked up, but we're, it, it's just a weird time. I mean, how would their life really change? Uh, what are, you, are you implying that, that I have no presence at home? Uh, no, I'm saying the, the mulch is going to make it from the driveway to the backyard <laughs> one way or another. <laughs> I'm saying that dinner is going to make its way onto the table either way. <laughs> that is so wrong how you make me sound as though I'm some sort of useless kind of just bump on a log at home. I didn't ever use the word useless. <laughs> well, you didn't have to. Bump on the log, sure. But that's by your own choosing. <laughs> no. You have plenty no. of use. You just choose to, you know, sit uh, in the tidy whities in the in the bathrobe. There are times when I do get pretty focused, as we all do. But there are other times when it's I'm called nap time. No, oh, it's kind of when I'm, <laughs> I'm a joy to be around. Oh, man. All right, uh, Gordon, we'll get to Kristen <laughs> Kenny coming up right around the corner. Stay tuned. It is Has Lisa show. been talking to you or something? No, you... no, no. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's continue to talk jazz basketball, Gordon. Let's get out to the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Of course, uh, she makes the magic happen for AT&T Sportsnet. She's our good friend, Kristen Kenny. What's going on, Kristen? Hey, guys. Good to be on with you today. How are you? We're great. It's great to have you. I understand that uh, since uh, tomorrow's game is nationally televised, uh, you guys have uh, have done your last jazz game in this bizarre season. Oh, it's the end of the season for us, unfortunately. Um, definitely uh, a weird way to go out. We're hoping for that win. But, yeah, it goes to network, which is um, what happens uh, – Pretty often, though, so if it goes to a Game 7, we've seen this before where local coverage ends and the network picks it up, in this case, ABC. And uh, we really, yeah, this is this is it. Man, I'm bummed. I was hoping we'd end on a high note. Well, congratulations on the great year, Kristen. This has been some a situation that none of us have ever been through before. And uh, to the, the whole crew over there, you guys do a great broadcast, especially uh, in these unique circumstances. So congratulations on the great year. Well, thank you. You guys, too. And I know you're still um, along for the ride, and hopefully uh, we'll, we'll push this to a round two, and I'll be able to listen in to you guys more and more. Yeah, that's really what it comes down to. Now you're done. The question is, are the Jazz done? I'll tell you, Kristen, it's going to take some kind of momentum change and some strategic change to to uh, to, to alter this thing now. Jamal Murray is just a beast. Man, Jamal Murray's a special guy, and you gotta love him. I know Twitter went crazy yesterday. His post-game interview with Jared Greenberg was very emotional. So he's playing with so much emotion and passion. Um, and a lot of Jazz Nation even said, "Hey, you can't even hate the guy. You gotta love the guy, <laughs> even though he's are going against us. You just have to root for this guy." So he's doing some special things, and on our end, so is Donovan Mitchell. Um, it's 
been such a fun series to watch the two of them go back and forth. And, you know, one of my questions, I'm hoping, you know, I'll get a chance to get this in before it ends or maybe I'll follow up with it for next season. But I would love Mike Conley's opinion on this, his amount of years and playoff experience. If he's seen anything like this, Mitchell and Murray just going back and forth and both of them with 50 point, two 50 point games in a playoff series. It's impressive. Kristen, what do you think the Jazz can do to dial things up a little bit defensively? It seems like the bubble is pretty unique, a lot of shots going in, but it doesn't seem like the defensive resistance has quite been there, at least in the last two games. Yeah, that's the messaging coming uh, from the coaching staff, and we've been fortunate enough to talk to Jazz assistant Mike Wells before the games and during the games, and you know the theme is definitely defense. Um, you, know, you heard Rudy last night talking about how our offense got stagnant, um, a lot of that, I mean, that's definitely true. We didn't see the blender, a lot of iso ball. We are best when we are driving and kicking. Um, but a lot of that also has to do with taking the ball out of the net and not getting those defensive stops, not closing those possessions. You heard before the series even began the importance of closing possessions and rebounding against this physical big team. And unfortunately, the last two games, it just hasn't been the level that it was when we were up 3-1. And I think it's those little things that play a role. I asked Donovan about that specifically, those little things, the hustle plays, the second chance points. And he said, look, we've watched enough film. We know what to do. It's the more aggressive team who's going to win this thing. And I think what you guys just said, the aggression has to be there on the defensive end. And that's really kind of good news for the Jazz because if you just said, hey, they're better, and that there's no question about that, then there's not a lot you can do about that. But you can uh, control the the amount of focus and force that you're putting out on the floor. So, and that, look, that's been proven in this series. Both teams have won three games. So it is possible for them to, to alter this, to make this better. Except for that size thing that you bring up, Kristen, it's really interesting. The Chaz getting killed on the boards, and they're just not as big. Rudy can't get all the rebounds. Yeah, and I think we saw this the when the games that we were winning, it wasn't just Rudy on the boards. It was all of the guys, the guards on the boards. I remember Mike Conley had an amazing, you know, rebound uh, and then was able to push it in transition. Um, the strength of our team, and this has been talked about as well with the coaching staff, is the speed. So yes, they have the size advantage, but we have that speed advantage. And if we can get that stop and push it in transition and increase our pace of play, that gives us the advantage. We're fast. Um, We saw that in those games that we were winning, and we were winning by large margins because we were doing everything right. We were locked in on all of those details. And when you get those rebounds, when you win those hustle plays, those 50-50 balls, you don't give them second-chance points. You're able to get out and and, and run. Um, And that's been a big key for the Jazz success as well, is getting out and running, Rudy running flat at the baseline, opening up, the offense, um, and we know from there we have plenty of guys that can knock down the three. Um, so, yeah, we have to get back, but a lot of it is those, it's, it's those little things, and I think that they can control that. Um, we've seen them do it before. Kristen, uh, covering sidelines, you get a chance sometimes to get a little behind-the-scenes look at uh, more of the emotional things in the team, maybe internal. What did you make, the, you know, through that lens, what did you make of the emotional reactions we saw from Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, you know, getting a little destructive with the chairs and such? Hey, I think they're ticked off. I mean, that's, um, you saw emotion, true competitors coming out 
uh, Rudy said it happened. You know, it's they're ticked off. They had this thing 3-1. They should have closed it out. Um, they didn't. They had two opportunities to do that. And, yeah, the emotion's there. And, again, I think, you know, they gave that confidence to Denver. Um, and Jamal Murray, though, I mean, you got to give him credit. There's not much you can do when a guy is just blistering hot like that. But you can't let those little things go. Um, so, yeah, I know the frustration, I kind of like it because you're going to come back from that, right? I mean, hopefully it's enough to really get under your skin and, and, and make you want to come back really angry in Game 7. This is do or die. So let's hope that we come back angry and uh, locked in and, and ready to get this thing. It's going to be tough, though, because, man, Murray and the Nuggets have the momentum right now. Man, you, you said it right. Two opportunities, including one in which they were ahead by 15 points in the second half and uh, could not close it out. So that's some craziness there. Do you think uh, – Quinn was asked a little bit about this during the, the, the presser. But do you think we'll see Donovan Mitchell play like 45 minutes in this game? I think it's do or die. Uh, uh, Quinn, with his rotations and minute allocations and lineups, it's you know you never know. Um, he's always he's always changing it up. But I think even Donovan himself is hungry for this win. So whatever it takes to get this win, they're gonna they're gonna go for it. I mean, this is laid all out, laid all out. Get to the second round. Well, Kristen, thank you for jumping on with us. Uh, we really appreciate it, and we'll keep our fingers crossed that we have another round to talk to you about coming up next week. I know. Fingers crossed here. I'll be watching it uh, from my house, so I'll tune into the radio, listen to David Locke. <laughs> hey, no, wait, Kristen, when you're watching from your house, do you just talk into the room the way you would during a regular telecast? <laughs> I I watch it from my house, Gordon, and I'm screaming. <laughs> <laughs> I am getting, I'm very animated because I can't do that necessarily during the game when I'm working. So I become, I'm very focused on the game. I have friends that said, Hey, let's go watch it somewhere around a large group of people. No, thank you. I want to listen. I'm listening intently and I want to watch without distractions. (laughs) Well, Kristen, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks guys. That's Kristen Kinney from AT&T Sportsnet. Yeah, with ABC having the game tomorrow. And uh, that's kind of how it works. The national broadcasts take over entirely in the second round. So no more Bowler and Kristen and uh, Thurl and Alema, unfortunately. But, uh, boy, they did a great job uh, with some unique circumstances. (laughs) Yeah, you got that right. No, I hope we'll never see anything like this again. Yeah, no doubt. All right, coming up next. The Not Sports Report. You want to stay tuned for that. Jeremiah Jensen with us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. It's the big show, 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. It is time. For the Chevy Strong Play of the Game, be caller 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE, and correctly identify the Chevy Strong Play of the Game. Announced by DJ and PK this morning at 8.50, and you'll win his own prize pack. It's the Chevy Strong Play of the Game, brought to you by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. It is also time for the Not Sports Port, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? Two places. got two stories here. The first one is... When this uh, hurricane, is it Laura? Sure. Oh, okay. 
You've been paying attention to the weather at all? The one uh, going through Louisiana just uh, yeah. a couple days ago? Yeah. When it hit the coast down there, there was a river that fl- usually flows in one direction, and the hurricane had the river flowing the other direction for a good 12 hours straight. That's weird. It's a storm surge, right? I guess that's what it would be. Right? All the water coming ashore with the storm because of the wind. I heard uh, I heard that that story I read, or not heard, I read that that story was the wind was particularly damaging. But if there was a blessing, it was that it was fast moving, so it didn't kind of sit over those areas and really flood them out too. Hmm. Must have been quite powerful. And then there's this, uh, Jake. I want to know whether you would be willing to do this. No. And... <laughs> And I don't know where this story originates, but there was a couple who was moving. They're they're going to be moving mid-September. And they're in need of someone to help help them move. You know, pack up, uh, you know, carry the boxes out to the truck, drive the truck to the new location, help unload the truck get everything all set up in the new place. And they're willing to pay like thousands of dollars to for this assistance. But there's a catch. There's a catch, Jake. Okay. They must do it naked. To move these people nude? Yes. Why, you ask? Because the couple are, I guess, what are they called, naturalists. Uh, they uh, wear no clothes. And so whoever, and they're willing to pay a bunch of money, more than what would be the normal amount. So my question to you is, would you do it? Well, if the, if, if, if the reward was great enough, what would the reward have to be to get Jake Scott out there? Well, let me let me let me turn this around. You and it doesn't just have to be a man. It could be a woman. It could be whoever, whoever wants to do the work. Can, let me let me turn this around and, and ask you a question real quick. All right. OK. How much are you and Lisa paying? <laughs> What are you? What are you guys willing to? to, What are you doing? What are? What? What are you? How much are you putting up? No, no, no. It's not. It's not us. (laughs) I didn't even know you were moving. Where are you going? (laughs) No, it's not us. I don't know the name of the couple either, but uh, apparently they placed an advertisement in the in the the local uh, paper wherever it was, and they are asking for help. So I just I just call wonder. us G- Gary and Laura Monson. <laughs> it's not us. It's not us. No. It'd be helpful with your hypothetical if you'd tell me how much you were paying. Well, okay, that's what I want to know. How much would it take? Well, how much are you paying? <laughs> I'm not paying. I'm not moving, and it's not us. All right, it's not us. Are you sure. Yes. It's not us. I have a friend. Well, where are you going with this? 
Okay, so uh, so so how much? I mean, if you have if, a friend, what? You can't just stop there. No, it was you a actually joke. Are, it was a joke. Oh, you were okay. you were making it sound like someone who said, I, "I have a friend," when they're really referring to themselves. Come on, I'll do it for uh, eighteen bucks. <laughs> not seventeen, not nineteen. <laughs> how much? Eighteen dollars really take? And if it was left up to Naz to decide for you, what would the number be? Seventeen dollars. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, I don't think so. You know, well, you're, Austin, you're snobby. Lundy, you Lundy, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know, Lundy, whether you would be willing to do that or how much it would take to get you to do it. But I have a feeling if Austin were here, uh, that number would be like three hundred bucks. Well, aren't we ignoring the fact, really, you know, all this is all funny, but isn't this just an extreme example of sexual harassment? How so? You mean how so? You can't ask people to show up for work naked. That's, I, I think, against the law. Well, the people themselves are naked. Who, so? I think working in a, in a nude office probably violates some sort of HR policy. Lots of them. <laughs> And and requiring somebody to be nude in in order to be employed, yeah, that's really illegal. Hmm. Well, I think this this story happened over in England somewhere because it looks like it was uh, it was in one of the English papers. So I'm assuming. I mean, that's, just that's just took place. I don't know what the rules are over there. What if you were hiring a personal assistant, Gordon? And uh, one of the requirements to have the job would be they have to show up to work noon. Yeah, I think you'd get arrested and sued within the day. Oh, man, that's In fact, funny. I think Lenny Dykstra tried to do just that, and I think he did get arrested and sued. <laughs> well, some people are more comfortable uh, on natural than others. I don't think and- that's the issue here. Well, I don't know if the rules over. Well, well, we, Gordon, kind of answer. Uh, well, to what would you pay for the nude movers? I don't want a nude mover. <laughs> but what I would you pay? I, I would pay. Uh, what nothing. if they were going to do it for less than the competition? Um, hmm. I might take the best deal. Yeah. <laughs> as long as it was legit, as I don't want any laws being broken. But come on, Jake, if it if you wanted to move, let's say you found your dream house and you wanted to move uh, half a mile away and it would ordinarily cost you ten, fifteen thousand dollars to move. And there was a moving company that uh, happened to do that, you know, naked for a fourth. Wouldn't you take them up on that deal? No. It's going to save you $12,000. Also going to either land me in jail or on <laughs> some sort it. of television or internet program that I want no part of. No. I would not let my chiefness were, entrap said, me into 10 to 20. Not doing I said, it. I said if it were legal. It's not. You asked me yeah. if I'd do it. You didn't say if it were legal. You said, would I do it if it were a quarter of a price? And I said, no. I said, if Cheap it were legal. Cheap Skate McGee over there. You're like, absolutely. <laughs> Show on up. That said, there is a price for everything. You know, and if it's like $20 to move you across town, I might do it and just tell all the neighbors ahead of time, hey, just say so you're- Go inside. Just, yeah. 
Just so you're aware, like, this is costing me only 20 bucks. Lundy, if someone came to you and said, we will pay you thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 if you do this, would you do it? Absolutely. You love that game so much. You 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 know you're talking to Lundy here, who's uh, you know trying to break into the the sports media biz. You know what he would do for fifty grand? And I love that you set the bar so high always to to exploit the commoners. Uh, okay. Oh, it only take fifty grand to get you to do that. <laughs> no, okay, Lundy, what, where would your price be? My price? Yeah. To, is it moving or just showing up? Like no, you're moving. You're moving. Oh, you're for, actually for moving the equipment. Three Little stuff. Caesars pizza and a twelve pack of beer. I'll speak for him. <laughs> I've moved friends of mine for less. I don't care what we were wearing. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's, Lundy, would be, for two thousand dollars, would you do it? Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. And he doesn't okay, go to well, jail. Two thousand yeah. bucks. Mm-hmm. Don't go to jail. Spend like what three hours on a weekend? Absolutely. Now, what would you be doing while Lundy was doing all this, Gordon? <laughs> Watching? No, no. I'm sure that the doing great work are... over there, Alex. Lift with the, <laughs> lift with your legs, not with your back. Lift with your legs. Fine form. Just, there you go. Just sipping on a lemonade. <laughs> no, I think the you really need probably... to get some sun. <laughs> I think the people are probably helping too. You bring up the weirdest, creepiest stuff. Ever. No, it's a story here. It's a story I found here. Yeah, I wonder why you picked it. Well, because it's unusual. Because it happened. Just like this, like the the river that was flowing the other direction. It's unusual. I think after a hurricane, that's not all that unusual. And <laughs> if it says nude in the headline, Gordon, it's showing up on the not sports report. Actually, it doesn't say nude. Well, it does say naked. <laughs> Naturist couple will pay $3,000 to anyone who will help them move houses, but the person must be naked of the job is what the headline is. I thought that was weird. I thought that was different. Hey, so. uh, wh- however you want to live your life, Gordon. It's all good. <laughs> Jeremiah Jensen joins us next. Stay tuned. 97.5. 12 a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> 